Q's log. September, no, not. It is February 22nd, 2019. Two days before my brother's birthday. Um. <sighs> so I'm playing Watch Dogs 2. And I've noticed... You know, it's I, I've... Throughout my life, I've had this impression, this this um, thought that the world is expanding dynamically around me. You know, so my, as my attention uh, it focuses on something, it um, the world itself literally expands. So, for instance, I was born and raised in Yorba Linda, and, you know, all I knew about it first was, you know, Yorba Linda. Then my world expanded as I found out more information, um, you know, found out about Nixon, about presidents, about all that stuff, and at that point it just, uh, you know, just kept growing and growing and growing from there. You know, I was introduced to Mexican food, and I asked the question, "What's what are Mexicans? And at this point, you know, the country of Mexico is in, uh, invented in a literal sense. You know, so it's my belief that um, that's what the mind does naturally, is it uh, it has a, a process of, of disassociation from the outside world. Um, and the reassociation is basically um, by, you know, subconsciously making you, making you and me the, you know, center point without really ever knowing it consciously, you know, until you get to the point that uh, you consciously realize it, and that conscious realization comes at a point where you almost have to accept it just because you've pushed things too far from a disassociated perspective and everything, and it becomes your responsibility to understand what you are, what I am, you know, what we all are as creators. So, I mean, this isn't a religious philosophy or anything. It's just basically science-based observations, you know, um, things such as, uh, you know, things that could be repeatable by anybody. So, what I'm doing is I'm playing Watch Dogs 2, and as I'm playing it, um, all of a sudden I, I feel this, you know, weird glitch, you know, thing happen at the same time my characters are trying to flee away from these, you know, guys that are chasing after me and everything, and I get so far, and all of a sudden, it's just like I feel a little fuzzy in my head, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, at, right at that moment, all of a sudden, I get this obscure load screen, and all of a sudden, I'm right in front of a, um, of a business I don't recognize. Now, um, this load screen came up for absolutely no reason, you know, and I, I don't see things like this unless there's an absolute reason for it. And um, in this case here, you know, there was definitely a reason, and you know, or a, a less obscure reason, and um, or a more obscure reason, I should say. The, the reason it was, um, it was just all of a sudden I see a business there that I had never seen before. So, you know, sometimes I, I sit there and go, okay, am I just not being that observant on the game and everything? So, as I play it more, the things, um, the things I, I see and experience and everything, um, I'm just starting to catch more and more details. Well, certainly, that's absolutely true, you know, but there's also the truth of certain things are actually expanding, and while this is a pirated copy, um, I'm not getting any DLC from it. And the world, in a literal sense, is expanding, and uh, I'm seeing evidence of that expansion occurring right in front of me. You know, Bloom Enterprises. Um, 
those there's no missions there um, I've gone through the mountains hundreds of times you know and all of a sudden boom I see a full bloom facility and it uh, you can actually walk uh, somewhat walk inside of it and everything um, this company that I just saw just now Algiris um, <laughs> they're weed growers inside this uh, inside this game world so for me it's just like it's really fucking cool you know seeing all this stuff and saying wow you know this is you know interesting that I've you know I'm actually seeing evidence of my um, my philosophies um, you know in a more uh, what I consider relatable and disassociated way but also it's associated at the same time you know so it really makes has me questioning okay so why you know a weed shop it wasn't on my mind you know so if my mind is part of the creation aspect of this sure it's on my mind partially because my brother smokes weed on a regular basis and you know I'm I'm not very content with some of the things you know it's gone on as far as the laws I still think that uh, I don't know, you know, teach their own when it comes down to it. If we should, weed should be legal, you know, um, cocaine should, and if, uh, if one shouldn't be legal, the other one shouldn't as well. Um, but they're both difficult substances and everything, so I kind of like the way that uh, it's working right now. I don't know, it's tough to say, but all I know is, you know, the company is brand new. You know, it's the first time it's actually been depicted in this you know, game world and everything. And it's just, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the load screen comes, the passenger that I have, you know, that I'm carrying around and everything is no longer around whatsoever, and I've got to go pick up the passenger again. So it's almost like I had a, the game had a massive glitch, and at the same time, I felt that glitch in my head. You know, and it's almost like reality inside this game world had been rewritten, and the rewrite included this business in it. You know, so what I was doing was experiencing, you know, firsthand, you know, the underlying quantum nature of reality, you know, and in a literal sense, seeing, um, seeing how a, it might, you, one might actually believe it's glitchy, but it's just basically it's, you know, time and something's happening, you know, that's actually causing, uh, causing the world to get, to be rewritten itself and, you know, a new business put in place and everything. So the, the question that I have now is what is influencing it? Well, Bloom, I know what's, what influenced that. I asked myself dozens of times, you know, it's just like, um, there's other companies that are represented in this, uh, in this place, a company called Noodle, that's mentioned frequently. Um, another one called, hold on, I'll pull up the maps real quick. Another one called um, CentOS is another company. Um, and what was the other one? There's one other major company. Titus is another one that's actually uh, represented. And the final one was uh, Galilee. Um, so all the uh, all all but one major company was was represented, and I kept asking the question, "Wow, you know, it's kind of weird because Bloom is mentioned over and over within this, you know, and as a part of the storyline, and it's just for some reason it's not there, 
you know, I mean, literally, it's just like, you know, there's no missions there. I played the whole storyline through the first time. Um, now I'm just basically doing everything I can to explore the city, and I've traversed it and gone through and done all, you know, I mean, literally, they have all so many different time trials and, you know, races and you name it to basically make it so where I'm crisscrossing the city and, and doing it more and more and more, and there's no way I would have missed that uh, that building. And yet, boom, it's there for the first time. So, you know, it comes down to, that's, you know, it's evidence of a glitchy holographic nature, you know, of this, of the game. You know, so really it just comes down to, um, it's not that my world is glitchy like this, it comes from this. You know, so what I will see within the games I play is going to be a lot more um, a lot more volatile, you know, and, uh, for me, you know, in my world that I came from, I mean, hell, I, I witnessed those glitches, and those things came across to me as basically, you know, earthquakes, literally, you know, in your Belinda, I grew up in those, uh, I remember hundreds of earth, were tens of earthquakes growing up, scary shit and everything, you know, and it's just like, you know, that was a regular part of my everyday life and every, or, you know, just every six months and everything. It was just something I had to deal with and everything. Well, I mean, growing up in California versus being there in Studio City and in four years' time not, not having one single earthquake. Well, I mean, it, it's not that tectonics and everything have gotten tremendously more stable in the last 30 years. So what gives? What, what? What exactly was I seeing? Well, it just comes down to, this is it. You know, the holographic nature of which I, uh, which I came from, to the point of, you know, now my world's much more stable, it's much more solidified. Um, you know, alterations are going to be a little bit harder to, you know, come into this planet, and, and uh, I'm going to have to, particularly my particular version of it, you know, it's going to have to be something that I myself really want. You know, other influences on that are going to be extremely tough to influence my reality. You know, because this is ultimately it's my reality. You know, so it's you know, it's basically my design, my program. You know, how many yeses and noes, and you know, I'm staying in this direction, and this is where I live, and yada yada yada. You know, can one undergo before one finally says? Hey, you know, I'm I'm putting my stake in the ground. This is mine. You know, it's <laughs> there's there's no other options for me. You know, I don't have anywhere else to go. This is it. So, and I think that's the whole thing is you know as I'm looking in on this alternate reality, you know, called Watchdogs Two, I'm seeing um, I'm seeing things from a dis disassociated perspective of what literally went into the creating creation of my own world. Same process, just from a different perspective. You know, so I'm going to see businesses, you know, happen to come into existence and everything. I'm going to see alterations to the game content, you know, and while there's hundreds of alternative explanations, you know, that uh, could potentially um, excuse what I'm seeing. The simple fact of the matter is those alternate excuses are a form of disassociation which doesn't invalidate my 
my perspective you know so for instance you know part of the process disassociation is absolving oneself of ownership or responsibility it really is you know so I could sit there and point the finger to that you know it's Ubisoft doing this you know it's programmers doing this you know now while each one is accurate you know and ultimately my reality will probably create ties to basically allow this to happen. It may not. You know, flat out may not. My observations that, you know, I'm influencing this in a co-creation kind of way and everything is part of the process that's going on. Now, why I saw the creation of a, of a weed company? <laughs> I mean, I'm suspecting it's the influences, the external influences that are actually happening on my mind, which is what caused the buzz in my head, and as a result, boom, I saw the load screen, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, it's kind of like a switch from one channel to the next, you know, where before there wasn't a company, boom, you know, I see a three, a switch in a three-dimensional reality, where now there is, it's not that much different than the glitch that Neo sees in the Matrix, you know, it's, it's similar, you know, to the cat walking across and all of a sudden it walks across again. That's a glitch of one nature. Well, a glitch that I'm seeing is a slightly different nature. You know, it's basically where something w wasn't before, it now is. You know, and that's the whole thing. I mean, that's a part of the process of, of expansion of, you know, I mean, from a from an internal perspective, an individualistic perspective, it's basically, it's, you know, it's the consumption of information, and that information creates new ideas, you know, and also gets reflected in the external realities that we're observing. You know, so for me, it's focused more on this three-dimensional reality that I'm actually playing my game in, you know, um... Just because I like the idea, you know, that I can actually manipulate a three-dimensional avatar in another world and potentially, potentially tap this as a source of revenue. You know, I mean, hell, I can. This guy's made, you know, in the last uh, week, nearly uh, seven hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, if I was to get a half of that, you know, I mean, not only am I saving the guy from dying, you know, hundreds of thousands of times, you know, but. <laughs> I mean, in a literal sense, you know, it's, hell, you know, if he's an Uber driver. So, anyways, if this is an alternate reality, which I believe it is, I shouldn't, it's not if, it is. This is an alternate reality, and I'm seeing the processes and my belief enacted in this reality. Ultimately, the, guy, the money that this guy's earning... It's my money too. Seven hundred and forty-one thousand sixty-nine dollars. That's what I've made over the last four days. Now he's Ubered hundreds of passengers. He's won hundreds of races, you know, and uh, all because I sat there. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Finally, win one. Thirteen thousand dollars on one. So, in any case, maybe this is how I get the money back. Maybe this is how I earn my income. Maybe I find a way to wire it from this alternate reality to my own. And I go start buying some of the things I want to. Hang out at the strip club. Make it rain. <laughs> 
Anyways, I just uh, wanted to add that. I thought that was interesting. So, I may be back. And to expand on that, that last concept a little bit, you know, where ultimately reality comes up with an excuse and everything for it. Well, it's not an excuse. You know, so let's say I have that thought. Hey, why is Bloom featured so much in this reality and everything, you know, in the storyline, and yet it doesn't exist as a company and everything? Well, let's say a whole team of artists and creators, and let's say, you know, maybe even another country is experimenting with the minds of, you know, of America. It's just like, you know, are they doing what, we're, what we think they're doing? And let's say they've got, you know, this is all an experiment in mind control. You know, um, can you actually, you know, can they actually create something through their own mind? Okay, well, let's mention it in the storyline. Let's, you know, let's create this, uh, this uh, fictional entity and everything, but let's not, not actually create a physical presence for it in this, uh, in this game, in this world. You know, let's, let's see if it actually, if he actually creates it, you know, through sheer willpower and everything. Well... You know, in the end, you know, I'm sitting there questioning, where the hell is it? You know, what's going on and everything. And um, ultimately, all of a sudden, boom. At this point, I see it. I observe it. However, there stands a unique possibility that in that moment that I observed it, time was rewritten and they could have included it in as a part of the final development and everything because it was a, a loophole in the story, a lack of uh, physical presence and everything. And maybe at the last moment some developers thought, hey, let's go ahead and make sure that we put it in because it's, you know, it should be there. Well, at this point, you know, it comes down to my, you know, will and desire to see it and everything creates back pressure from a temporal perspective, you know, in in the development process of this game, which influenced these developers, which actually created the event, which basically made it so where they created it. You know, so originally it could have been based off of an experiment. You know, however, maybe a few might remember the experiment. You know, but maybe they aren't ready to see the results, to understand the results. Um, maybe they've gone on their merry way, you know, since then. Um, maybe... I don't know. Maybe nobody remembers it. One of my favorite scenes from Doctor Who was uh, when the Doctor had uh, basically more or less been erased from time, and uh, nobody remembered him. Now, he had made changes in the past and everything, which basically made it so were adventures that he had with uh, Rory and Amy Pond. This is a Matt Smith generation Doctor Who along with a couple others and everything, um, they were getting married and they were sitting there trying for the life of them to remember, you know, what is it we're forgetting? What is it we're forgetting? You know, they knew they were forgetting something, but they couldn't figure out what. And then all of a sudden, boom, it clicked. It dawned on them. And about that instant, that's when the doctor came back. So I find, I find it, that's how the mind works. There's a certain simultaneity to thought and the manifestation of that thought in the real world. And that's actually something I've seen on a regular basis and everything throughout my life, um, but I, you know, in a disassociated way, didn't want to be a part of that creation process because it's kind of scary. 
You know, I mean, what if you imagine Godzilla's real? What if you imagine um, the Grim Reaper's real? What if you imagine hell? You know, what if you imagine... Um, and once you get past these what-ifs, you realize that you've already been there, done that, and you start getting into what you really want, what you really desire. And, and that's actually what I'm in the process of doing, is basically saying, I know, I mean, I've got evidence, plenty of evidence of the hells that I've been through. You know, whether or not it's a human centipede or hostile or, um, you know, things that are just, you know, Dawn of the Dead. You know, how many zombie movies and flicks do we have and everything um, combined with alien invasions and Terminators and all that kind of shit. You know, I mean, if you look at this as all being a part of the reality that I actually came from and everything. You know, and my mind has constantly disassociated myself from these events because I just simply don't want to go through it again. Or don't want to go through it. You know, the life of eternity and hell and everything because I'm being a disobedient little robot. Well, ultimately, I break that programming. I just basically say I'm not interested in that, in somebody else's ideas and concepts of, you know, hell. You know, I like the idea of creating my own idea of heaven. You know, the things that I really do enjoy. You know, but part of it comes down to you have to, I mean, at least I have to. I have to come to embrace that my mind is ultimately responsible for the, for the creation of the things around me. And I have to stimulate it accordingly. It's kind of my responsibility. And I still have vetoing power. You know, the capability to veto the um, information that comes into my head or selectively veto things. You know, for instance, let's say I um, see the movie The Matrix. Love the concept. Love the idea myself of being in a simulation that I can control, you know, but I don't like the idea of me being trapped inside of a simulation, you know, that uh, is something else is controlling besides me. See the distinction? So I've done a line item veto and basically said, okay, the matrix, that's a great concept, that's a great idea. You know, ultimately I can fly, I can... I can uh, be Superman. I can snap my fingers, be anywhere, anywhere, anytime I want to, you know. And it's up to me to basically not just train the outside world on what it is that I've chosen, you know, but also train my own mind to let go of some of the um, the self doubt and lack of worth that I I previously had from never believing, you know, that all this was possible. You know, and ultimately, I have to. I had to get to the point of basically understanding. You know, I've disassociated about as far as I could possibly disassociate things to the point of actually taking, trying to, t you know, take my life. Well, I mean, there's no need to go through that process anymore, particularly when I've seen, you know, just how far that nasty shit can go. In a literal sense, I've seen it. You know, so, but it really comes down to the question, where do I want it to go? And how? Well, I mean, I came up with one concept and idea last night, which is basically taking a trip to the moon, you know, and not experiencing the the effects that were written, you know, about the influence of Einstein's equations and that kind of stuff. No, I like the idea of going to the moon, being able to jump, you know, but besides that, I'm not going to feel the sickening you know, manipulations that the things that uh, a weak gravity is going to be doing, you know, on my body. You know, I'm not going to feel the manipulation it has on my eyes and everything. I'll see with the same vision I'm seeing right now. You know, things that are, you know, 15 feet away on Earth are going to appear 15 feet away on, on the moon. 
no different than if I was to appear on any other planet too, Venus or Mars or any of that, 15 feet will appear 15 feet for me, no matter where I go. That's just, you know, that's just how I want things to work. Now, is there any kind of, you know, explanation or anything like this from a, a physics perspective on how that would function? No, not really. I mean, I'll be able to design it within a, uh, <laughs> within a computer environment and everything, absolutely. That'll be part of the fun of it. But it comes down to it, it's just like the look. The look and sounds that are going to be emanated from these environments and everything may not necessarily be the same things that are that are actually measured you know with Einstein-like physics or anything like that and it just comes down to looking at it and basically saying okay you know yes I did just feel what I felt yes I did did just see that you know building come into existence and everything yes bloom just did come and yes, it's quite possible that some developers may be celebrating, thinking that they've, you know, been able to manipulate my mind successfully. Are they right? Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm right, too. I myself have temporally manipulated time itself and caused them to make the decisions that they did. come up with the idea and the concept and everything for manipulation. And interestingly enough, I'm reading a book on ESP and, um, you know, manipulation of the mind and everything right now. So that may have actually further incentivized and entrenched my ideas. I'm not trying to say I'm better. Certainly not. I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm subservient either, though. And it's all interconnected. That's actually the thing I had to realize what I want and what I des desire has primacy in me in my life. And the same thing could be said of everybody else's perspective as well, without contradiction. I'm right for me. They're right for them. So, in any case, I just wanted to add that little tidbit in. I'm reading a uh, study on Scientific Americans called Selective Selectivity. Um, sounds a little bit redundant, but um, the article is, um, well, the specific article title is Your Hidden Sensor, What Your Mind Will Not Let You See. Um, this is something, uh, a little bit of a game I've been playing with myself anyways for a couple years. is more or less uh, understanding perspective and also understanding what my mind centers out based on my experiences and education, um, my wants and my desires, my not wants and my not desires, and all that kind of stuff and everything. And um, also how it um, isolates that information and disassociates it away from me. So, you know, um, it's my... My personal experience that uh, information is constantly um, being barraged and thrown at me, and more or less from too many di too many different sources to list and everything. So, at any given time, you know, I have a an, uh, kind of like an artificial limit on what is thrown at me and what more or less my, you know, I can focus on all at one given point and everything. Um, but 
I also don't limit the amount of information that can actually flow, flow to me. And uh, my mind is constantly prioritizing this information and um, based on, like I said, you know, all, the, all those things and above. Now, I don't think all minds process information like that. And I think a more accurate, uh, accurate assessment of how the mind processes um, information is it just basically focuses on that which you focus on, and that's it. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure. You know, I mean, I, I suspect there's any number of different ways that individual minds process information and everything, and, um, you know, and, and different varying levels, too, of consciousness, subconsciousness, um, comatose, um, all the way to, you know, um, unconscious uh, behaviors and everything. And one of the things that actually went through my mind tonight, too, was as I was uh, making dinner, um, ended up getting done with it, and I, I had a little fleeting thought. Maybe a part of me is laying comatose, you know, in a hospital, or actually, you know, um, could appear to a lot of other people and everything that I died up in studio, or down in Studio City. And because I fucking hated it so much, maybe my mind basically said sayonara to that reality, and that's actually why I'm up here. And it created, I imagined, a set of circumstances that basically forced me away from that position to something I would notably enjoy more. And and I suspect this is constantly going on. You know, this whole um, struggle for independence and individuality and everything, and more or less isolating um, the the not wants away from me, pushing those away, and pushing myself into an area and lifestyle and everything that is my preference. You know, it's kind of like um, when I broke free from drugs and everything. Um, it, it was the first time in my life that I felt like it was okay to um, run away from something. You know, and I ran away from my supplier before I just like I was like a fighter. You know, um, sure, I, I wasn't a fighter fighter. I mean, I'm definitely not a brawler or anything like that. You know, but one thing's for certain. Um, I had a tendency to basically confront my problems head on and um, more or less battle and struggle through it. Well, it when I was dealing with the, the addiction, it was a different problem. And I kept realizing, it's just like, you know, I enjoy it, but you know, when it comes down to the cocaine, but I saw how destructive it was being to me, you know, how, how destructive it was being to the relationships that I had, and, and while I could, sh sure, you know, have somebody like Jackie in my life, I couldn't, I couldn't sustain it, and not only that, I couldn't sustain having a relationship with two women, let alone one that I wanted to have, or three, you know, and it wasn't just about that, it was just about the fact that I wasn't happy, um, being addicted to cocaine. Now, I don't mind doing it every once in a while. It's been a long time since I've done it, you know, and it's, I, that's how I look at any substance, you know. Um, one of the, the gifts that my father has given me, you know, is looking at, um, looking at addiction from both an outside perspective and an inside perspective. You know, um, I look at it from an outside perspective, and it's very, very similar to it from an out inside perspective. It, when it becomes self-destructive, it's the hardest fucking thing in the world to overcome. And then, what happens is this acceptance, yeah, that uh, these things can be so strong and powerful and influence in my life.
but I don't want them out of my life. But I don't want them on, in my life all the time. And then it comes down to this thing called self-control. You know, so it comes down to, you know, just basically saying, look, I walked away, you know, from basically Phoenix and fled, more or less. You know, went to Charlotte and, you know, the only reason I took the gig over in Charlotte was to get away from my supplier and everything. Well, it's similar to the situation from a, a cerebral perspective on Studio City. Is it possible that, more or less, I fled mentally the situation and the outside world still sees me as being there? It's quite possible. You know, but ultimately, it's just like, that's not where I want to be. It's not in the situation I want to be in. There's a part of me that wants to be there, without hesitation. You know, it's just like a part of me that wants to do cocaine, too. But, the simple fact of the matter is, that kind of lifestyle isn't the kind of lifestyle I enjoy. You know, cocaine, whether or not it's coke, being on coke on a regular basis, or whether or not it's being homeless on a regular basis. These are the kind of things I simply do not enjoy. You know, every once in a while, I, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I can say I have homelessness as a, as an option now. Going through that struggle and realizing what it is, I'm less afraid of it now. But I also recognize that it's a, as a tool, as a, as something to use. You know, something to. If anything, if I feel like my mind's cluttered or I feel like I'm bogged down, I feel like I'm, I need a little bit of a release or, or to get away from everything for a while, boom, I've got an option there. Pack up a tent and a backpack and get the fuck out of, out of Dodge for a year. I'm not afraid to. It's actually pretty easy. That's the whole thing. I didn't think I had those kind of options before, you know, to live without without um, dependence. Isn't that weird? You know, and it's kind of the same thing with the addiction, too. I had a dependence on, on, um, on alcohol and cocaine. And how do you get independence? <sighs> you find a way to actually give yourself independence from something else that you've had dependence on your entire life. I'd been dependent on money, no different than I was dependent on cocaine. Probably more so. And all of a sudden I gave myself the most wonderful gift I can possibly ever give myself. Proof. Evidence. An analog. Something to create an analogy to. An example, I can go without money, with that dependence on the things that I have to do in order to be able to get that income. There's other ways to achieve things. Yeah, well, sure, technically, I didn't go completely without money. But that's also like saying technically. I never went completely without cocaine either. Technically, I'm still 
ingesting some substance, one substance or another, it contains the same, same or similar chemicals that actually are, you know, contained in cocaine. Inevitably, there will be traces and examples that basically say, no, nah, the tie was never fully 100% severed. Well, tie to anything is never 100% you know, fully severed. But for all, all shits and you know, giggles, I've gone seven years without a job. I'm not in a hurry to get one either with the shit that's being offered. Well, look at it as I'm definitely in the mood to, you know, get something that's commensurate with my level of education, experience, and everything else. I'm not seeing anything else out there like that. But going back to this article, your hidden censor, what your mind will not will not let you see. As I've been playing these games, I often think from the other character's perspective, the Avatar. And what do they see? You know, like Worlds of Warcraft or EverQuest. You know, I've got a tune called Ling. Um, he's been a long-time character that I had, and uh, he's, um, you know, he's a half or halfling uh, druid that I actually have in EverQuest. He's still active. I don't play him much anymore. But um, I've often thought from his perspective, you know, what is it... <laughs> You know what? What would be life be like from that perspective? Now, let's say he lived and saw and experienced the same way that I did. In other words, he never dies. You know, he may feel like he comes close to it and everything. You know, and cast spells. That's one of the big differences and everything. You know, and where does the power you know come to? You know, create those spells. You know, and same thing holds true for World's Warcraft. You know, Druid was one of my favorite characters, that and Hunter. And, uh, the Hunter's still one of my favorite characters in Hearthstone. But, um, you know, thinking from their perspective, but superimposing my own perspective onto that, basically saying, look, you know, let's say they can't see, they, de they don't actually experience death, ever. You know, that uh, they have a series of wars that they may fight or something like that, or fight against beasts and everything, but for some reason they always come, come away triumphant. From their perspective, they see that they've won everything. They keep winning. And it's just something they're blessed with. Maybe, you know, my druid in uh, EverQuest blames it on, or calls it uh, Tuner. Maybe I'm her. Maybe I'm Tuner to her. Or to him. You know, in World's Warcraft, it's kind of the same thing. You know, when I see a ghost and I race that ghost back to the corpse, do they ever see the corpse? Probably not. You know, so this is what I'm saying is, you know, the mind censors the things that you don't want. And let's say you get a glimpse of it one day. But that disassociation never wants you to believe that that was you. That you're always living. You know, there's no evidence whatsoever that you can die. Your mind just doesn't want to supply it to you. Plain and simple. It's easier to function that way. Plain and simple. 
So, as a result, your mind censors it. You know, in EverQuest, and from an EverQuest perspective, or from a World of Warcraft perspective, or doesn't matter what these characters are. You know, it's like Watch Dogs 2, and um, the lead character for that, I can't remember those guys' names. One was Aiden Quinn, and uh, two was... Uh, I can't remember his name offhand. You know, but I see the guy die hundreds, if not thousands of times. You know, and uh, it's just like, for all he knows, he never dies. He's always successful with his missions. He never really sees failure, per se. Everything he does, he wins. <laughs> I've never experienced that. <coughs> it's kind of funny when I got fired from jobs and everything. Probably 50% of the jobs I've gotten fired from in my adult life. 50% I've succeeded at. I have this 50% I've gotten fired at. Oh, I spun it on my resume. I made it out to be that uh, I'm ultimately the one that had the decision. But that... It was a half-truth. By the time I got out of there, I wanted to get out of there anyways. And that's pretty much true for each of those jobs that I got fired from. Quite a few. For various different reasons and everything. Even the last gig that I had, Wells Fargo. I got ejected prematurely from that contract. I've been working 100 hours a week. I had the bath salts problem on top of it, which was helping me work the hours. And... I was trying to fight a uh, nasty virus on top of that on my own spare time and everything that had infected uh, my computer and I, I was suspecting it had infected the, the Wells Fargo ones as well but I didn't want to point fingers so I was stressed the fuck out beyond stressed out I had the NSA to, to answer to at a major financial institution and everything to answer to. And it was probably the most stressed out I was in my adult life. It's only one other time I could think of that I was that stressed out. And then I figured two things out. It's like on a Friday. And at that point, I took a very quick trip up to um, to the NSA headquarters at Fort Meade, Maryland. Turned right around after dropping my computer and my, my um, Blackberry off at the gates. What I had done was I had discovered something called Duku, D-U-K-U, or Q-U, and uh, a permutation of it that had been selectively created to target one specific system. And at that point, proliferate. And yes, indeed, they actually had targeted Wells Fargo. But I caught it. And I was pretty proud of that achievement and everything. Pretty stressed out, but I was pretty proud. And I got up there, and I think it was like three and a half, four hours time. 
I mean, it was record time. And the funny thing was, uh, you know, I had actually, uh, I had clearance to get up there as fast as fucking possible. So it's the first time in my life that I actually ended up gunning it the whole way for a four-hour trip, going 100 to 120 miles an hour the entire time, maybe even a little bit more. And uh, the cops were intentionally uh, diverted from the roadway and everything, so I was given no problems and everything. It's actually kind of cool. I got to see some of their systems and at work and everything with that. But um, once I got up there, I meandered back down, and I'm just like, fuck this. Turned around, bought a ticket for uh, for Phoenix, and said, I'm, I'm taking off to go see my friends for a, th- for a long three-day weekend. Wells Fargo never learned you know, about the near-hit-miss, mi- near the catastrophic bomb that almost went off that I ended up uh, preventing from happening. And it was only, what, a year before or something like that where the bank in, um, I think it was Barclays or something like that, they had a $2 billion hack against the bank and everything that uh, almost, actually, it did bring down the bank, if I'm not mistaken, and everything. And the same group that ended up uh, doing the hack for that was doing the hack for uh, for Wells Fargo. I caught it. So, I get back. I mean, first off, I call on Monday. Let the boss know. And it's just like I'm not here. And uh, not going to be coming back for a full day. I couldn't tell him what I found. You know, just my bosses, my management had actually told me specifically I couldn't tell them that, uh, what, had, what had been caught because the NSA wanted to preempt any other strikes and everything, and uh, it's known as something called a zero day. They wanted to make sure that this didn't happen to anybody else, so as a result, um, they, they couldn't, dis- I, I was not supposed to discuss it with anybody within the organization at all. So, anyways, um, yeah, Monday I end up calling in and tell him, and he's good. He explains that the boss isn't going to be happy. I'm just like, well, I needed a three-day weekend more than I could even explain to you. He's like, okay. So I came in on Tuesday and I was walked out. Now I couldn't tell him. Apparently they have a one-strike-year-out rule. Now I had gone through. You know, and literally re-architected the entire corporation and protected against from this and further attacks like this ever again. I literally pulled the virus from their system and everything, prevented it from happening ever again. To I saved the company at least two billion dollars, probably more. It was an office space-like hack, is what it was. And what it would do is actually draw money over a longer period of time and everything. Leaking it from the company and everything. Transparently, too. That was the worst part. But, I prevented it. And what did I get? I got fired. Now, the NSA was cool with it. I mean, it's as far as they were concerned, it's just like I did my job in, in spades, you know, and I discussed with them the new architecture moving forward, and here's how they're going to be preventing these things from happening again, and I ended up discussing it with my managers and the vice president at, uh, at Wells Fargo, and they were kind of surprised that uh, 
their management had actually, you know, insisted that uh, I be let go. But I was. They're kind of odd. They thought it found it odd that they were sticking to the rules so strongly and everything. You know, because they knew something was going on. You know, they knew it, but they didn't know what. They just known, knew that I had re-architected the system and basically made it bulletproof. And it was the type of thing that, uh, for me, I thought it was strange, but it's just one of those things that I did, I felt good about it, you know? I felt good. In any case, the whole topic was your hidden sensors. What your mind will not let you see. Yeah, and just coming down to it, it just... There's a lot of jobs I've been fired from. But I've always done what I considered to be a great job on those jobs. So it isn't for lack of performance. Typically it's because of one or two nitpicky issues. A rule that I broke and caused an entire collapse of a quote-unquote trust between systems and just basically broke me loose. I was never really dissatisfied. I mean, most of them were things I wanted anyways. You know, Wells Fargo, <laughs> I was done with the NSA. And that contract, I was there for the NSA to prevent this attack. And um, that two million, you know, two million dollars I had in the bank had recently gone up to three million and personally I had eight million that was supposed to be delivered to me so Wells Fargo was a reflection of the uh, relationship I had with the NSA and I was done with it all so I was looking for a way to make sure that the um, the relationship that I had with Wells Fargo as well as the one with the NSA would stop as fast as possible I mean I had until October you know 2011 you know, that I was obligated to the NSA. Unfortunately, they ended up, um, you know, with that contract being complete in, uh, in August, they uh, let me go for the last three months of my responsibilities. August, September, October, November, yeah, two months, actually. And that's actually some of the most difficult shit that I've ever experienced mentally was during that period of time. But, anyways, how I got diverted on that topic, it just comes down to sensors, right? Sometimes I, I think that uh, we all have the propensity to see, you know, get glimpses, hints, as to what we're missing out, what our mind's censoring. You know, I think you, you see it on TV shows, movies, you know, the fictions that, uh, that surround you. Every piece of information that surrounds us is absolutely true. And something that we live through, that's what I suspect at one point in our lives. We disassociate ourselves from it. And the reason for doing that is just because it's just too fucked up in a lot of cases. You know, to say, holy shit, do I really want to have that as a memory? 
do I really want to have have gone through that? Fuck no, in most cases, in a lot of cases. But there's some good things that uh, that miss out too, and that's the problem with those filters. And that's why you still, you know, that's why it's so essential. You know, the whole idea and concept of controlling one's own mind. Ultimately, a collective sensor will inevitably have a tendency. Averages, I suppose. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out the collective implications on the individual. Does the greater good benefit the individual? Or does it cause harm to the individual? Does it create balance for the individual? I don't know. It's hard to say. It definitely seems contrasting. But if it's one and the same thing, then it may just be a, a psychological masturbation. A mind fuck. Just to confuse ourselves. Just to confuse me. Anyways. There's a study that's done about, um, I remember seeing a study like this similarly when I was attending college, and it's about uh, two guys that are playing basketball, and um, the professor asks, um, I want you to pay attention to this tape that I have of two guys, of two guys playing basketball, and want you to, you know, when I get done with it, I'm going to ask you some key things about the scene and everything. So, I, I vaguely remember something similar to it. I can't remember if it was a basketballs or something like that. But uh, as we're, we're watching it and everything, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like a normal scene and everything. And he goes, okay, you know, what color was the, uh, the dress of the woman that passed by? Nobody saw the woman. And I think another one that I'd seen too was, did anybody happen to see the gorilla that passed through the scene? You know, it rewinds the tape, and sure enough, the gorilla's there. And it's just, basically, it's, it's um, indications, you know, of how your mind, you know, focused on one thing. It may be what you're told to focus on, the basketball players or whatever, and then all of a sudden, something unexpected happens within that scene. Well, the unexpected is filtered out to pay attention to what's expected. And I think that's actually kind of true for everything, too. Everything has that tendency. Everything's listening, waiting and listening for it. It's like me and my name, you know. When I go to Starbucks, I hear my name, and boom, I pop up. That's kind of the reason I actually started calling myself Q. It was an exercise in in diverting my attention. You know, calling myself Brian my entire life, and then all of a sudden, altering that, and now changing that to Q. It's just like, does it... You know, what does it do, mentally? Anyways... I'll post the article on a 
on the blog. Have a good night.